worship the name of Jesus. Come on. Let's lift him up. Hallelujah. Father, we honor your name. Mm. Father, I thank you for every person that persevered this morning, that pressed into your presence that smiled but is hurting. For every person that looks good on the outside but is in turmoil on the inside. Hmm. Father, you sent me here for the hurting this morning. You sent me here for the weary this morning. Sent me here for the broken, for the contrite, for those who look like they have it. But if they be honest, they're frustrated. They're like, God, I've been praying, I've been crying, I've been fasting, I've been giving, I've been sowing. I've reaped some, but I've not reaped what you've shown me. And you said the vision is for an appointed time. If it tarries, wait for it. But Lord, seem like I've been waiting more than I've been hearing. So Lord, you even said this morning as I was sitting there, as I was worshiping, as we were going forth in worship, that you were trying to settle in our spirit that what you have spoken before, you're still going to do. <laughs> and that this word this morning is to be an encouragement and to give light to the question of why the wait. So Father, I pray now in the name of Jesus for eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart that will receive. I pray in the name of Jesus that I'm glad to be home, but I'm on assignment this morning. And I pray in the name of Jesus that there be nothing that blockades or distracts or causes us to miss our moment. Father, that every person that's in this room, every person that's watching online, that this is destined for them, that this word is for them. It's not for their neighbor. It's not for their auntie. It's not for Uncle Buki. It's for them. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that the enemy would not snatch this word out of their heart, that the troubles of life would not quench it, would not squelch it, would not try to, uh, to, to cause it to be rend out of their heart. In the name of Jesus, I pray in the name of Jesus for every weary soul. 
Every weary traveler who's just come in and I don't even, yes, and say they say in their heart, I don't even know about this Jesus stuff, but I just came this morning because I felt like there was something I needed to get that I can't get anywhere else. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that every person that's empty will leave full today in the name of Jesus. Every person running on E would have the ability to get filled today in the name of Jesus. Every person that is tired of church, tired of religion, tired of uh, form and tired of different sayings and cliches. Father, I declare in the name of Jesus, God, that this is not a quick fix, but this is a word from the Lord. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, everyone that's jaded with how church is done, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that they will be revived today, that their heart will be revived by the massaging of the Holy Spirit, that they would not leave out of here dead but looking cute. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, that we would take off the mask long enough to get healed. We would take off the band-aid long enough to get healed. That we omit that we have scars so that we can get healed from the wounds of people. Not just world people, but church people. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that what you would speak from your word today would be so clear, would be so clear, would be so clear there would be no fuzziness. There would be no ambiguity. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that it's not by might, it's not by power, but by your spirit. In whom the spirit sets free, they're free indeed. I pray in the name of Jesus that chains that have come in with you would not leave with you. In the name of Jesus, I declare in the name of Jesus that the bondages and the struggles and the sicknesses and the, and the, and the insecurities and the pride and the depression and the anxieties and the trouble that tried to trouble you, the intimidator that's been trying to intimidate you out of your purpose. I declare in the name of Jesus that you will no longer be intimidated out of your call. You will no longer be intimidated out of what God has made you. You will no longer look to your past to determine your future, but God's word will be the seed implanted into your heart that will germinate into a harvest. That that same thing that's been intimidating you, causing fear in you, causing you to back back from your purpose because of your past, that you would not allow shame and guilt to cause you to get in more cycles of addiction and defeat in the name of Jesus. That of us show, I pray that we would see ourselves as God sees us. And God is not mad at you. He's not an angry papa mad at you because of what you've done. He's a loving father waiting for you to come back to him. And it grieves his heart that when you fall, that you run away from him instead of run to him. He's like, I just want you to run to me. I just want you to run to me when you fall. It's like when a child falls and has a boo-boo, you have to run to your father. Don't look at me as an earthly father. I won't reject you. I won't leave you by yourself. You don't have to run and hide. I see you and I love you. And yes, I want better for you, but I love you right where you are. Before Jesus ever did a miracle, when he was baptized, God came down and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Before he ever preached a sermon, before he ever healed a leper, before he ever raised a dead person, God was pleased with him just because he was his son. 
And some of our cycles are due to the fact that we don't know who we are. And we run and hide like Adam and Eve, covering, oh God, covering ourselves with things that are not adequate, fig leaves. But God killed for Adam and Eve, killed an innocent animal to cover his children. And that was just a foretaste that God killed his own son to cover our sin. Who wouldn't serve a father like that? That would sacrifice his firstborn so the second, the third, the 20,000th born would be free. And the great news is there was so much life in Jesus he couldn't stay dead. So he resurrected on the third day. But when you want to know how much you're loved, look at the cross. The cross is how much. When you ever want to know Am I worth it to God? You can look at the cross and say, the cross is how much? The fact that I could have been dead in my sin. The fact that I could have been disqualified a long time ago. But because of the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not my Harvard degree. Not not my Gordon Conwell degree. Not my time spent in books and in study, which is all good. Not my eloquence of speech or lack thereof. Not where I came from, not where I'm going, but because of the love of God. The precious love of God. That for love he died that we may live. And yeah, I understand you're frustrated in the waiting, but between the promise and the performance, he's processing you. He's trying to make you better, not bitter. He's asking, will you trust me? Will you trust me while you wait? And I'm getting into the message, but trust is built on intimacy and experience. And when trust is built on intimacy and experience, it's built on connectedness and reliance on what you say you're going to do, you're going to do. Can't trust you if, if you say one thing and do another. But God is not a man that he should lie. Nor the son of man that he has to repent. If he said it, he'll do it. Problem is, he lives in eternity. We live in time. And so the saying is true. He comes on time because he doesn't live in time. He lives in eternity. And so he can only come on time. Time is a construct that he made for us. It's not where he lives. He's not limited by time. He's alpha, omega, beginning, end. But what do you do when he wants to work the middle? Psalm 27. Psalm 27, we're going to be reading from the New King James Version.
We're going to Psalm 27, beginning at verse number one. From the New King James Version, whatever Bible version you have is perfectly fine. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. From whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat of my flesh and my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war may rise against me, and this I will be confident. One thing that I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. Glad we're in Pentecostal tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me when you said, seek my face. My heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation, where my father and my mother forsake me. Then the Lord will take care of me. Let's go down to verse 13 and 14 of Psalm 27. I would have fainted is what the King James says. New King James says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Again, as I mentioned previously, this morning's message is entitled Weight Training. Weight Training. As I was praying and as I was seeking God for what the Lord wanted to share and I re received the call and I was coming into town. And I'm like, oh, I get to be with my family and friends. Uh, immediately, the Lord said this word to me, weight training. I was like, okay, Lord, well, what are you talking about? This message is geared to every person that life has happened to. This message is for every person where situations have shifted in your life and things may have changed suddenly, but they've stayed stuck. So sometimes when things shift and change, it changes for the good or for the bad. But you're like, oh, this is going to be over in a minute. And the minute turns into an hour. And the hour turns into a day. The day turns into a week. And the week turns into a decade. And this is a message for those who believe in Jesus, who pray, who seek after God, who ask God for an answer. And it seems as if he's saying nothing or he's saying wait. What do you do when you pray about something and you pray about something and you fast and you go in your prayer language and you put your shawl on and you go in your prayer closet and you run around and you feel better in the moment, but God doesn't change the situation immediately. What happens when you're dealing with an issue, an ongoing, reoccurring, chronic situation, and you're like, God, I love you. I trust you. I'm getting sent out of my life. I'm living the way that you want me to live, and I'm trying the best that I can, but I don't understand why it seems like I'm stuck. 
Why does it seem like I'm stuck where I am? Why does it seem like the situation isn't moving? Why does it seem like you've promised me something and I haven't seen it yet? Why does it seem like you've, you've spoken something? You've given me a vision of something. You've shown me something, but I don't have it in my hands. You said that I'll be debt free, but I have more debt. You said that I'll have children, but I'm still barren. You said that I would move into a mansion and I'm still living in a loft apartment with two other people. What happens when life happens and it seems as if God is absent, as if he's gone AWOL, as if he's not answering or Lord forbid he says wait. What happens in the midst of being in between the promise and the performance? What happens in between those two extremes? In between you receiving the word and in between the word being performed. This is called the wait. And the Lord uh, had me to bring this message to you. Uh, it's also for me. Uh, it comes to me first, but it's hitting me uh, all already because I feel like God is saying to us as a house and saying to us as a people, get your weight up. For what God wants to do in your life and through your life, you can't be a lightweight. Yeah, I knew I wouldn't get a lot of amens on that. You can't be a lightweight. I am not just talking about the W-A-I-T. I'm also talking about the W-E-I-G-H-T. There's a weight of glory that God desires to pour out on his people, but he is gracious enough to not give us a weight that we can't handle. And because he wants to take us through a process where we will understand that he is God and we are not, that he is our, our king and he is our master and we are not the master of our own design. He will allow us to go through things that break us. But he allows us to go through things that break us, not because he's upset, not because he wants us to be bitter and hard, but because he's trying to make us dependent on him and not independent of him. And oftentimes when we are people of ways and if we're people of means, we have the ability to do for ourselves, And so we don't rely on God as we should. If we be honest, sometimes when we can pay for it and sometimes when we can think about it and sometimes when we can situate it and when we can answer the question, we don't pray. One of the one of the greatest signs of pride, which is self-reliance in our life, is a lack of prayer. Because when we don't pray to God, we're basically saying to God, I got this. You handle the big stuff. I got this. You handle making sure I got enough money to pay my bills, but I got raising my kids. You handle the stuff that I either don't want to handle or the stuff that's too big for me, but I'll handle the stuff that I think is my size. You handle the God-sized stuff, I'll handle the me-sized stuff. And God's like, man, I would love to handle everything because what you may know about your kids, I may know more. What you may know about your career, what you may know about your job. And God, this is not a, <laughs> this is not a call to always be in this building, but it is a call to reliance on God because he can give you insight nobody can. He can give you wisdom no one can. And sometimes he allows situations to compile in our lives because we're not listening. Sometimes we have flesh blocking our ears. And this is a word for someone. Uh, God says, I need you to circumcise your ears so that you can hear me like you're supposed to hear me. God said, you have too much flesh growing over your ears and there's, com there's something coming to make you wake up and cut that flesh off your ear. I don't know who that's for. But please hear God. Don't be so fleshly 
and that, that God can't get into your ear gate. Because some of you guys trying to talk and you're ignoring him. God said, please stop that. Okay, amen. You know who you are. Amen, praise God. Because oftentimes we get busy with life and it happens. We're human beings. But that should not be an excuse for remaining carnal. Oftentimes, when, oh God, oftentimes when we say, oh, you know, well, you know, you know. Yeah, we do know. And the Lord does too. He's like, I'm trying to cause you to get your weight up. I'm trying to cause us to go beyond where we are. I'm trying to cause us. The Lord's like, I'm causing you to go through whatever you're facing, not because I want to kill you, but I want to make you stronger. And matter of fact, the Lord's like, yeah, I do want to kill your flesh. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, I know there's a hard word. If you want to be my disciple, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And the only reason why we take up a cross is to kill our flesh. So God's like, it, it will, it cannot be your way and my way. You can't serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and you. We make crummy gods. But we put ourselves on the throne when we don't submit to his will and his way. And he's like, I'm trying to teach you how to wait on me. I'm trying to teach you how to, how to be a person who even when I don't answer quickly, yes, Lord. And the Lord's like, what I'm doing for some of you is I'm showing you another level of maturity in God because I'm not giving you what you need immediately. We give babies what they need immediately because they need it immediately. When we grow up in God, sometimes we have to wait. And so God's like, I need you to get your weight up. Because I'm not wanting you to be baby Christians forever. I don't want you just to be sucking on milk when I have a, a I, when I want you to go to Ruth Chris sometime. But you still just on that milk. Ruth Chris don't sell milk that I know of. And God's like, I, I, you can't handle meat if you only are, have the capacity for milk. And some of this weight is I'm trying to get you to trust me beyond where you've traced me before. You've walked with me in a certain area and I'm taking you in a new way and it's uncharted territory, but he wants to be a light to our feet and a lamp to our path. But the problem with lights and lamps is it doesn't give us light for a very large radius. He didn't say a floodlight. He didn't say the sun to your feet and the sun to your path. So what he's saying is, I'm going to show you ahead of you, but I'm not going to show you all the way to your destination because I need you to trust me even when it's dark. I need you to trust me even when you don't understand what's going on. Three points and we're done. The first point that we must understand when we're in weight training is God is good. Point number one, God is good. Because the problem with being in weight training is when you're doing, when you're taking a test, oftentimes the teacher doesn't talk because you're in a test and he's already taught you or you should have already been taught during the class. So now when it's exam time, you can't be asking questions like, um, Mr. Teacher, uh, could you give me the answer to number 17? He's like, no, nah, no, nah, nah. you should have been reading, studying, preparing because you know you're going to have a test. Because before you can get to your next grade level, there will be a test. Before you can get to where God wants you to go next, there will be an exam. And the question of whether you pass or fail will be based on if you studied or if you didn't. Did you read the book or did you get cliff notes, spark notes? 
Look it up on YouTube. Let me, let me see the audio book. Yeah, that's cool. But during the test, we cannot get upset with the teacher for not talking. But oftentimes we do because we forget, oh, I'm in a test. Or we may not even know I'm in a test. But just because God is silent doesn't mean he's absent. Just because he's not talking, and <laughs> it's similar to GPS. If you're going the right direction and you don't need to make any turns, it's silent. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you right now, bro. Google Maps don't tell me nothing. All I see is it, the little lines that keep going straight. And so if you don't need to make any turns right now, the bad thing to do is to stop on the highway, and even worse is to get off prematurely. Please do not take an exit that you have not been advised to take. Because oftentimes when we're in the fire, oftentimes when we're in something, we want to run and hide. We want to get off. I, I can't stand this pain. And truthfully, I know. I, I Trust me, I'm there with you. I can't stand the pain either. And because I can't stand the pain, I want anything to get me numb from what I'm going through. And that's where our addictions come in. That's where our afflictions come in because we're trying to get away from what God is trying to process us through. And so God's like, I want to get you through this. You want to get off. I want to get you through. And so God's like, if, if, if I can, if you can trust me that I am good, even when everything else is bad, I can get you through this and you can become who I've always made you to be. But you can't become who I've made you to be not going through the process. You cannot get to the promised land without going through the wilderness. The key is you don't have to get stuck in the wilderness. You have to go through the wilderness. But oftentimes when we're in the wilderness, we start wandering because we start seeing stuff. And like, man, this don't land no promise. This ain't Promise Avenue. This ain't, this ain't God worked it out street. And so we start wandering and our focus and the enemy uses distraction and division to get us off focus. Because if he can get us to walk anywhere, we more than likely will never get to where God has called us to be. And if he can't kill you, he'll get you distracted. Because some of you are too powerful to kill outright, so he keeps you distracted. Keeps you locked into the matrix like Neo. So you see a fake world, a utopian world, but you don't see what's really happening. The machines are taking over. And that's what happens. We get on autopilot. We don't really feel because we've been hurt. We don't really love because we've been wounded. And so we fake it till we make it. And unfortunately, church is a great place for people who want to fake. Because if I know what to say, when to say it, and I look good, and I do my two minutes, they'll never know. But what happens after my two minutes and I'm still depressed? What happens after I get a word from God, but it doesn't come to pass for 14 years? We think Abraham was some super saint, and he wasn't if we read the scripture, but he had faith in God for years and decades and decades, and all the while he was getting older, and his promise had not come yet. But I believe, <laughs> I believe that he knew that God was good. And God asked us to trust him Trust his heart when we can't trace his hand. Number two, two or three, 
Yes, number two. God is good is number one. Number two is the promise is paid for. So as we're in weight training, as God is trying to get our weight up, as God is trying to cause us to wait on him, and this weight is not just an expectation, but it's also in service. You know, like a waiter who waits on you. God is saying, can you serve me even while you're waiting on me? Will you serve me because you know that I'm good and you know that I'm good for it? His credit score is really good. Like, it's amazing. Like, it's the best there can be. Um, Because the promise is paid for. God does not speak what he has not already made provision to perform. God does not say something that he doesn't back up. We see this in Genesis 1 when God spoke and it was. And guess what? It still is. Because day is still day, night is still night, the water is still the water, the firmament is still the firmament, the sun, moon, stars, everything else is still, still ticking upon the word that he spoke. So if, so if the world is still working on the word that he spoke, what do you think is happening to the word that he speaks to you? If the world is still obeying his command, how about the word that he speaks to us? Jeremiah 1, 11 through 12. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? Jeremiah said, I see an almond branch. Verse 12 is the one we want to get to. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well. I am watching over my word to perform it. God is looking on his word to perform what he said. God speaks a promise from eternity into time. We talked about that, that the promise is already paid for. So just a waiting game. Unfortunately, sometimes we give up too soon. Second Corinthians 1, 19 through 22. For the son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, uh, by Silvanus and Timothy, was yes and no. But in him was yes. For all the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and in him. Amen. God never speaks something that he does not intend to perform. Matter of fact, he's already performed it in eternity. He's causing it to be performed in time. Lastly, number three, we talked about God is good. We talked about the promises paid for. This is the real kicker. Number three is Jesus is worth the wait. As we talked about earlier, when we think about, man, God, I'm going through. Man, I really, Lord, I really wish you would just hurry up. We think about Jesus and all that he endured for us so that we would have a destiny, that we would have a way of escape. Hebrews 10, 19 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as we see the day approaching. So do not, this is the key verse, verse 35 of Hebrews chapter 10. It says, do not throw away your confidence. 
it will be richly rewarded. Verse 36 of Hebrews 10 says, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. He's worth the wait. He's worth the aggravation, the headache, the frustration, the pain, the turmoil. He is so worth it. Strength is renewed in the wait. As we wait upon him, as we expect his good because he is only good. As we expect his his word to be performed because he doesn't speak what he doesn't already pay for. He is worth the wait. Hebrews 12 and 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such hostility of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. That because he endured, he gives us the grace, the enablement to endure. That might and strength is not developed in our own know-how. It is developed in our waiting upon the Lord. Believing in him, trusting in him. I want to declare to you that the Lord is about to increase the weight of glory that you can carry. But he is training you while you wait on him. As you wait on the word, just like Peter walked on the word, Jesus said, come. And Peter walked on the word that was on top of the water. As you wait on him, he wants to strengthen your heart. As you wait on him, he wants to give you a reassurance that it's not over until he says it's over. Verse 13 and 14 of Psalm 27, and I'm done. I would have fainted. I would have lost heart. Unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord. In the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Let me stop there. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for everyone dealing with hopelessness in the room that their hope would be in you. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that hope is the expectation that things are going to get better after this. I pray that we would not believe the lie that our life is not worth living. Father, I come against that thought in the name of Jesus. Somebody pray with me for a moment. We're done preaching, but will someone pray for anyone who may feel hopeless in the room? Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that we're smiling and we're laughing and we're jovial. But Father, I pray that anyone that's on the brink and anyone that is considering ending it, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that they would find hope today, that this word would be a hope to them, that this is weight training, that you're training us to build our weight up. You're training us in trust. That this is a trust exercise that you're training us, oh God. I pray in the name of Jesus. Come on, saints, just a little more. I'm praying in the name of Jesus that hopelessness would not be our portion. That doesn't mean we have to be sunny and feel great every day. But Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. Yes, the doctor's report is bad. Yes, you have some bad news. Yes, you just lost a loved one. Is grief is okay, but we're not moving into sorrow. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. I pray in the name of Jesus that we're not going over that cliff. This is not what we're doing. 
because God loves you and so do we. And I thank you that you are not by yourself. You are not isolated. You're not insulated. You're not alone. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you that you are our hope. Thank you that you are our hope. Father, and I pray for everyone else who's waiting. Father, I pray that you would give us, and I mean us, you would give us the ability to trust you in the midst of the wait. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that as we're waiting on you to fulfill what you have spoken, I thank you that we will keep serving you, that we'll wait while we wait. (laughs) We will serve you while we're waiting on you. God, because you are good, your promise is paid for, and you are worth the wait. Ah, Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus, God, that we trust you enough to know, God, that if you spoke it, you're going to perform it. God, that we trust you enough to know that if you showed it to us, and if it was a vision from God, you're going to make it good. Father, I thank you that you give provision for vision. Father, I thank you, God, that though the vision tarry, wait for it, wait for it, for it shall happen in due time. It shall happen in due time. Don't get weary in well-doing, <laughs> for you shall reap what, oh God, what you sow if you faint not. Lord, I pray against fainting in the name of Jesus. God, we're not going to lose heart. We were going to lose heart if we weren't going to see the goodness of the Lord. But God, we believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God, we don't have to wait till we get to the by and by, to the hereafter. But Father, I declare that you would increase our faith by your word, that you would increase our trust by the fact that you are good. And I declare in the name of Jesus, God, that he that will keep us from falling. Oh God, will guard our hearts and minds in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Everyone on the brink of fainting. Father, I declare in the name of Jesus a reviving of their spirit, God. In the name of Jesus, refresh their soul, God. In the name of Jesus, oh God, renew their mind, God. In the name of Jesus, oh God, refresh their fainting soul. In the name of Jesus, oh God, have your way in their life. That they'll not give up the fight. They'll not give up the faith. They'll not give up on your promise, though it tarries. Father, I thank you that you're teaching us how to wait better. You're teaching us how to wait more. You're teaching us how to carry the weight of glory. Father, I declare in the name of Jesus that we will not faint. We will not give up. We will not quit. We will not stop our worship. We will not stop our praise. We will not stop our hallelujah. We will not stop our thank you. Jesus God you will get the glory God you will get the glory God you will get the glory you will get the glory we're not going to give up here we're not going to stop here we're not going to throw in the towel here the baggage is heavy but we'll lay all our burdens at your feet we'll lay all our burdens at your feet we'll lay all our burdens at your feet We'll lay all our burdens at your feet. We'll give it to you, God. We'll give it to you, God. We give it to you right now. Right now. We give it to you right now. In the name of Jesus. 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 We will not stay stuck. This is not forever. This is just for now. This is not forever. Hear me in the Holy Ghost. This is not forever. This is just for now. Don't give this in. Don't, oh God. Don't stop here. Don't give up here. This is not it. This is not it. 
The place I have for you is higher. The place I have for you is bigger. It's wider than this. But what I don't want you to do is to be overcome by the promised land. So I'm allowing you to wait right here because I'm trying to teach you what I need to teach you. And too often you run from me when I'm trying to teach you something. And he's like, I want you to know that I need you to wait. Not because I don't love you. That's a lie from Satan that says I don't love you. God says I love you. I love you more than I love anything else. I love you more than I love life itself. That's why my son died for you. Because I love you more than life. But I cannot teach you something in your mind that you must live through. But the key word is through. You don't have to live in this forever. You don't have to live with that pain forever. You don't have to live with that issue forever. But let me teach you what I need to teach you in it. Through it. You don't have to live with that anger forever. You don't have to live with that perpetual anxiety forever. I'm trying to teach you something in this. I'm trying to teach you something through this. I'm trying to cause you to understand that I love you beyond compare. That there is no other God. There is no other God. There's only fake and substitutes. There's only false substitutes. There's only idols. I'm tired of my people worshiping idols. I need you to break down the mantles of idols. The idol of money, the idol of control, the idol of power. I'm the only God that you should worship. You shouldn't worship your prestige. You shouldn't worship what you have. You shouldn't worship your wife or your kids. I'm your God. And until you get that right, I won't let you go nowhere else. Because it'll kill you to go into the promise if you leave the wilderness with your idols. If you see the children of Israel, how they got back into captivity because they weren't free in the promise. They got to the promise with idols in their heart. And I kept warning them and warning them and warning them. But because they wouldn't release the idol, I had to put them back in prison. Because I will not let idolatry people take over land from idolatry people. You have to be a free people to take this land. Can't be a bound people taking a bound people land. I would be an unfair God to let bound people take bound people stuff. So come to me all who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I grieve with you. I pray over you. I pray over you. I give you what you need. I don't get a thank you sometimes, but I shrug it off. But I'm trying to make you no longer children. I'm trying to make you teenagers. I'm trying to grow you up in your faith. I'm trying to speak a word to you that will penetrate your hard heart and your fleshly ears. Try to give you something that you will destroy. Yeah, 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 yeah. That you will destroy the basuku huda kadiki shebahoya. That you would destroy every witchly tendency among you. That you would destroy every warlike tendency among you. That tendency to try to manipulate and control to get your way. God said, I want you to kill that before it kills you. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because it may just be, you may have grown up in a dysfunctional family that had strong personalities and a strong dysfunction. God's like, I have not called you to control your husband. I have not called you to be a manipulative. Speaking into your leader's ears, trying to convince them to dismantle or reject somebody who I've appointed. No, that's not what I've called you to do. Trust me, I haven't talked to nobody. I just got hit the, uh, Wednesday. The Lord said, I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to do now is get you in a place of pre- preparation so that when the harvest comes, you don't kill them before they get fully ripe. Before they get fully implanted, you don't kill them because you're jealous they're about to take your position. Man, please. The Lord said, trust me, I promise I'm hearing from the Lord. I'm not just rambling. The Lord said, what I'm trying to do in the wait is I'm trying to process everything of Egypt out of you. Every bit of slavery, every bit of bondage, every bit of idol worship, every bit of desire for leeks. I want the food of Egypt even though I was bound when I was eating it. Every fleshly appetite, I am ridding it out of you, out of us. The Lord is doing it out of us. So that when we get to our when we get to our promise, we won't be riddled with scandal. When we get to our promise, we'll be on a foundation that's sure. So that so that when our sheets are read and Lord knows people find out about us, when our closets are opened, not only do we not have skeletons, we don't have live bodies in our closets. It was like I'm trying to rid you of every unholy thing. Not because I'm trying to control your life and trying to make you boring. Because I want to take you higher. And when the air is thinner, you need to trust me for your oxygen. And so, Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that we are now in weight training. That you are calling us to get our weight up. And this is supposed to be a time of encouragement. So please don't allow this to feel like a discouragement. For those who are weary, God said, I am with you. Please don't allow the lie that you're not loved to seep into your heart anymore. I am with you. For those who know they need to get their weight up and been lazy, God said, I'm getting on you. Yes, you know you're supposed to be higher in me than you are. And other people, because they're not as high as you, they think you're a spiritual giant when you're a mini-me. I was like, I'm calling everybody up. I'm calling you up by my spirit. I'm calling you up by my word.